This is episode number 100 on the Herpreneur Show. Today, we're celebrating the best of the fat loss secrets. Welcome to the Herpreneur Show, where we talk women, business, life. I am your host, Annette Lakovich. I'm an entrepreneur, businesswoman, mum, and I'm a fitness fanatic who loves to dance. What I also love to do is help you reach your fullest potential in business, health, and happiness. Join me as I bring you life-changing interviews, world-class education that helps you continue to up-level your next stage in greatness. It's your time to shine. Let's do it. For months, we've been talking about what to do for episode 100. We're looking at doing the best of the whole 100 episodes. But that goes from health, fitness, mindset, business, relationships. We have so many different categories for the Herpreneur Show. So I decided to bite the bullet and to go to something that is very close to my heart. And I think it's a lot of pressure on us women which is how do we keep our bodies in shape? And it's the start of the year and I know that we all probably have a goal out there. We want to strip off our body fat and be the best that we can be. So I thought what a great way to be able to deliver the best of the fat loss secrets that have come through on this show. Now we have interviewed doctors, scientists, experts, naturopaths. We have the best of the best information and we're going to give it to you today. To celebrate episode 100, I've dedicated one hour for you, so it's like a double episode for you to totally immerse yourself. And hey, you might need to pause in between, but the great thing is when you jump back in your car or you go for your next power walk or you're doing your next thing, wherever you listen to your podcast, you can just keep pressing play and you can take off from where you left off. Now, the great thing is if you are approaching your 40s, in your 40s or in your 50s, you're going to love this episode, I think, even more because your body's starting to change. You're now getting thicker around the waist area, so it's harder to lose that tummy fat or just your body fat in general. Your body is not as forgiving as what it used to be. You're noticing the same diet that you're eating now is just not working for you. So you're going to love this episode even more. I tell you what, I am. (laughs) To give you a bit of a snapshot, we're going to be talking about cell fat health, uh, the life of fat, what is actually happening hormonally, intermittent fasting, autoimmune disease, essential oils, how they stop your craving. I tell you what, I've given you the best of the best. Now, the first one we're kicking off with Sylvia Tara, who is the author of The Secret Life of Fat, and she's a scientist who only studies one thing, fat fat cells, anything to do with fat. Now, I found it really hard to dissect her interview and her interview is actually about an hour long. So I've given you 15 minutes of it and it just is brilliant. So starting off all the way back to episode number four, Sylvia Tara, The Secret Life of Fat. When we start to lose some fat, we also lose leptin because less fat means less leptin. What that means is our metabolism goes down. Our mm. metabolism uh, is about 25% slower during exercise, um, You know, slower again, even at, at rest. And that means we have to eat less after we lose weight. So somebody who's yes. 150 pounds naturally never had to lose weight to get to 150 pounds. We take that person, we compare them 
them to someone who was 170 pounds but lost 20 pounds to get to 150 pounds. The person who lost those 20 pounds has to eat 22% fewer calories than the person who was 150 pounds to begin with naturally. So there's a caloric penalty to losing weight, and it's because fat is an organ and you've now altered the amount of leptin that you have. And that effect can last for years. It doesn't necessarily uh, equalize or, or go back to normal after you lose weight. For some people, it lasts really for, for a very long time. Mm. Key thing to know if you're trying to lose weight, because people go on diets, they lose weight, and think, and oh, they now they I can eat like anyone else is fit. Yes. yes. And, and so that's one of the big things then why you'll have people that will lose the weight, but then their body hasn't regulated to what you're saying, say a normal 70 kilo person that might just sit around there to the person that's gone from 85 kilos to 70 kilos, they have to now be able to continue those eating habits that got them to the 70 kilos. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Exactly right. So and unfair. Again, that person is so unfair. <laughs> so so unfair. But if you don't know this, yeah. you're going to regain your weight. You have to understand that you're going to be on this diet for a very long time. Yeah. So pick a diet that you like. You know, the other thing is with less leptin, you're also hungrier. So that satiation that leptin usually brings about with less leptin, you get more obsessive about food. We think about it more. We want it more. There's been uh, research where they look at MRI images of brains of people who've lost 10% or more weight. They find that they're much more responsive to food. They tend to fill their plates more with food compared to people who haven't lost weight. We get more just interested, hungrier for food, and our metabolism is lower at the same time. So it's a double penalty. Mm. So when you are dieting, first of all, know this happens. Um, it's just a fact of life, and it's not meant to be depressing, even though it kind of is. <laughs> um, <laughs> we just have to, you know, you have to adjust for this going forward if you want to maintain that weight loss. And the key yeah. thing is eat healthy, you know, find a diet you can be on for five years. And you know what's really interesting? My background was from health and fitness from a very, very, very young age. So I've gone into bodybuilding competitions, Miss Fitness competitions, the most unhealthiest way to lose weight really when you look at it now. And this time around, for me to actually lose my weight and get it back to what I was before I had my son, it's actually been the easiest. And it's because I've incorporated so much about the nutrition and the health, plus also bringing a lot of good fats into my diet so I'm not as as hungry. I just feel like it fills me up. But one of the tips, one of the tips that you gave, which I'd, I've heard for years but never done it, was the tip of not eating after 7 o'clock. And I heard that you actually stop eating, I think, at 4 p.m. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. And so it depends on how fast you want to lose weight. And so there's this intermittent fasting. That's pretty much mm. what I do, which means part of the day I'm fasting. I'm not eating. And so uh, you know, men often do it for 16, uh, uh, sorry, 14 or so hours. Women do it for a little bit longer to lose weight. But so at nighttime, what happens is our growth hormone peaks. And growth hormone is a great fat buster. When we eat, we start to moderate the effect of growth hormone, it's not as strong anymore. So when we, we don't eat and we extend that overnight fast, it actually extends the, the action of growth hormone. It's, it's busting fat for a longer period of time. So the more that we, we stop early, we stop eating you know, the early evening or so, don't eat again until later in the morning, extend that overnight fast. It does wonders for stubborn fat. And really my book, um, it's really about stubborn fat because if you're having a pretty t easy time losing it, you can go on one of these you know, diets of the year. You'll probably lose some weight. But if you're like me and a lot of women are, you, know, you get to middle age, you've had a kid, 
mm-hmm. here and there. Yeah. You've yo-yo dieted in the past. You have really stubborn fat now. And you have to be educated on stubborn fat, not just weight loss, not yeah. just nutrition, but specifically stubborn fat. And, and it's how fat it while you're in your 40s and more. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I've ticked every one of those boxes that you've just said. <laughs> and I absolutely love what you've said where choose something that it's now a lifestyle. The hardest thing for me, and I would love just to go personal with you, the hardest thing for me is Monday to Thursday, I am so fine. I stop eating by 7 o'clock. Normally, actually, it's around 6 o'clock I eat with my son. And then I actually don't eat till about 9.30, 10 the next morning. And I find it easy because... I do things at night. I'll dance twice a week um, and then I'll go for a nice walk with my son and my husband. So there's things I do. The the Friday, the Saturday and the Sunday night because I'm more social. How do you handle keeping that consistent? Do you stop eating nearly every day at 4 p.m.? And what do you do for the mindset to be able to stop yourself from, from not eating at night? Yeah. So as far as the mindset, there has to be something you want more than food. Mm. And so for me, it became a, it, just an issue with my fat. Once I realized what fat was and how wildly and clever it was, I thought I'm going to win. And so it became about winning. I really wanted to win. I was going to get control on this. And so there's got to be something more you want. That that more that thing that you want more could be about your health. You know, if you're losing weight for health, and that's mm. one of the things that really motivates successful dieters. There's something. There's a trigger, a psychological trigger that made them take weight loss extremely seriously. Yeah. There was either a health trigger, you know, they got a diagnosis, or psychological. They saw a picture of themselves uh, where they looked bigger than they ever even thought they were. And mm-hmm. it was just a trigger of, I've got to take this seriously. So, th- so that's a mindset. You have to be at a stage where you're ready now and you're going to take this on and you are going to succeed. Mm-hmm. You know, secondly, um, I go off on weekends too, to be honest with you. You know, it's a, it's a relaxing time. You're with your family more, they're going out. Mm-hmm. But I never really eat a full on dinner like they do late, late in the night. So I might snack I'll, I'll sit there and you know have a couple nibbles of things but I'm even disciplined on the weekend um, and then back to the weekday I really don't eat much at all uh, mm-hmm. after about uh, four o'clock at night mm, wow and do you do anything to keep yourself busy at night like for me it was exchanging my glass of wine to to relax me to a mineral water that was one of the biggest habits I had to kick um, so as soon as I have mineral water with lemon and I stopped that craving is there some tip that you do that you have now as a pattern or a habit that you do to keep yourself consistent? Really good question. You need distraction methods, and I actually have a whole uh, chapter on the psychology of losing weight in the secret life of fat. Mm-hmm. Because part of really what's important, self control for any lifestyle change you make, self control is a key component, and it's hard to stay on that for a long time because it's taxing to constantly have self control. Mm-hmm. So you have to you have to do a give and take with your mind and with your body. And so um, when I might, if I'm really hungry and I'm, I'm getting tired of it, I indulge in some way. And what I usually do is I don't. I'll often watch television or a movie, but I'll put in a movie at that time. I'll indulge yes. in some other way. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll go out and I'll go clothing shopping, go buy something fun for myself, um, talk to someone that I haven't spoken to for a long time. So find that indulgence to distract you from that moment. Mm-hmm. And I think what you've done is really good too. substitute something. So for the thing that you like that was fattening, substitute something else yes. um, that, that, you know, is, is you know healthy, but tastes good and, and you enjoy it. Moving on to episode number 20, how to fight fat inflammation with Dr. Laurie Shemak. In my book, How to Fight Fat Inflammation, 
which oils not to cook with. In fact, you, it's important to cook with oils that are saturated. Okay, mm-hmm. saturated fat. Because fats are Oil good. There's fats there. Fat. Like there's more fat in my diet these days now. I've stripped 15 kilos than oh, what I was having oh. before. And it's because it's all the good foods. That is fabulous. You know, it's, um, you know, it, it really is making these small changes, just simply swapping out mm. your corn oil or your vegetable oil or your canola oil for a healthier oil, like yeah. avocado oil is a step up yeah. and it's a healthy oil that you can cook with. Mm, love it. Tell me, you're talking about some foods that are bad for the fat cells. So we, we want to stay away from sugar. Okay. Sugar is really, truly the number one worst food you can consume, I believe. Um, it is, you know, there's even a worse food than sugar and it's high fructose corn syrup. <laughs> yeah. And it's okay. in everything and as well. Sugar. It is sugar everything as well. Everything processed. It's yeah, it's there, yeah. but written in a different name sometimes, <laughs> most of the time. Right. Exactly. And so we want to stay away from all sugar because sugar's are inflammatory. And boy, any cell that comes in contact with sugar, especially in a, in, the United, in the United States, we are highly addicted, the majority of people. Mm-hmm. The average American ingests 156 pounds of sugar a year. And I don't know what the the um, conversion is to kilos, but it's a lot. 156 wow. the size of a man, okay? Um, an adult grown man. And, uh, so, you know, that's a lot of sugar and 10 grams of sugar in one, well, teaspoons in one, uh, can of soda. So again, the food manufacturers are adding it to most every food out there. All mm-hmm. right. Very important to read labels, look at nutrition, um, um, labels, look at new ingredient lists to see if there's any sugar in your food, because you have to on the lookout for this stuff. And you know, it's really sad because a lot of people believe that they're eating healthy. So they'll eat yogurt, for example, they'll Mm -hmm. buy yogurt and that yogurt has as much sugar as a candy bar. Okay. They'll buy whole wheat bread or what you, you call brown bread, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, it has, it has as much sugar as two tablespoons of sugar. Okay. It raises your blood sugar that much. And, you know, here's somebody who thinks that they're doing, uh, making healthy choices for them or their family. And in fact, they're creating not just inflammation in the body, but, um, and more of an addiction to sugar Mm. unknowing. So they come to me, my clients, I say, I, you know, I'm doing everything right. And, you know, and I, I'm so addicted to the sugar. And that's one of the reasons is because it's in almost everything. Yeah. And, you know, it's, um, and this is for the mums out there, just when you talked about the yogurt, my son, you know, will go supermarket shopping and he's now learning so much about food. Um, and he looks at the yogurts, the kids' yogurts, and, you know, they just all look fabulous because they've got cartoon characters and everything on there. And he'll say, you know, this is probably about a year ago now, Mummy can I have one of those yogurts? And I said, let me have a look at the back, and I don't really like him to have lots of dairy anyway. So I'll look at the back and and I'll go, this has 16 grams of sugar for this little thing. And so now we've found one that has only three grams, but, again, we don't have it that often. But Well, the 
grams of the lactose most likely right okay so but i want him to not feel like he's left out at school so you know if the other kids have got it um but then we were at a party the other day and the mother was handing out these little packets of lollies and 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 i normally make braxton these little juvie lollies again so he doesn't feel like he's missing out but at the party i thought okay i'll let him have it and i picked up the bag and it says sugar-free and, oh, and yeah, and I looked at the back, and the very first thing was concentrated fruit juice. So oh, another yeah. word for sugar. Good. good for you. <laughs> you. You're great. That is, you went way farther than a lot of people do. I was like, of, yeah, yeah. But I thought I'm going to let him have it. I don't want him to feel left out at the, yeah. you know, at the party. But I looked, and I just thought because the mother was like, you know, felt like she was really good. Like, you know, this is what I'm doing, and. and <laughs> sugar-free and obviously I don't want to burst her bubble and I looked and I thought there you go it's like the manufacturers it's like how can we label it in a different way <laughs> it's like well you know in that a lot of people believe that you know fruit uh juice is healthy mm. and in fact it's very inflammatory and yes it does have antioxidants in it but it doesn't make up for its inflammatory effect especially upon the liver fructose is uh, metabolized by the liver only it's the only food and it um has uh i could go down you know the dark rabbit hole of the liver when it's impacted by sugar but it it is not a pretty thing. And so it, it's called glycation and it caramelizes the tissue in your body. Okay. And it also caramelizes if you eat an, eat an excess of it, it, uh, sugar and fruit juice, for example, um, caramelizes the liver. So, you know, and the, the reason this is important, especially if you're trying to lose weight yeah. is that the liver is your number one fat burning organ. Okay. Mm -hmm. Without liver's ability to work and function optimally, it can't help you burn fat. So you're wondering, why can't I lose weight? I'm drinking this juice. I'm eating all this fruit, this fruit salad, you know, and and all the hidden sugars that you may not be aware of. And there you go. And And so so it's a yeah, it's so interesting that you say that because um, we want to do a show on detoxing, but I want to show a different alternative than detoxing just with juices. So would you say that that's one of the reasons why if they're doing a detox and it's just purely like a juice diet, that that's actually yeah. going to be more pressure on the liver? Oh, yeah, totally agree. Wow. Um, yeah, it's definitely if – you're, if you're going to drink juice, stay away from fruit juice mm. completely. And opt for green juices. That's fine. Green juice is fine. It's low in sugar. It's going to have a alkalizing beneficial effect upon your body. Yeah. So it's the fruit juice, you know, unfortunately, that is the problem. Fabulous. And a lot of people don't want to hear that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, they don't. <laughs> well, you know, I used to juice for years and then I found out really just stripping everything away and <laughs> all the fun was gone. Um Tell us about what's great for our fat cells. Let's go there. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, foods, so you want to eat the oils that are, you know, first of all, we'll go back to the oils. You want to use healthy fats in your diet. So avocado oil, as I mentioned, healthy fats like coconut oil. Now, coconut oil is a saturated fat, but being a saturated fat, we now know saturated fats are healthy for you. So we have to change the mindset because the research is now out there, the quality research showing that saturated fat is healthy for you. Mm -hmm. And it helps, you know, promote 
hormone health. It helps promote brain health, weight loss, the list goes on. So um, definitely don't be afraid of uh, healthy fat, okay? Um, we want um, olive oil is an excellent oil, but don't cook it at a high heat. Yeah. At the most, yeah. at a low saute. Mm -hmm. And ideally not heat, you know, really ideally not to heat any oil at all if you can help it. So when I cook, I when I do eat, uh, when I heat, rather. <laughs> when I eat. <laughs> when I eat. <laughs> Um, <laughs> it will be coconut oil and, um, or avocado oil. One mm. of those two there's, but there's lard, which is excellent. You can buy it now at whole foods. Tallow is another one. Um, whole foods is a big, uh, um, health food chain out here. And, right. um, but I, was, any I heard that, um, macadamia oil actually has the highest. Yeah. So let's, um, change track here. Right. I saw you on a show, the doctor show, and they were debating. It was a debate between, you know, eating breakfast, not eating breakfast, intermittent fasting. Can right. we dive in about um, the benefits of eating um, with doing an intermittent fasting ketogenic diets? Can we just shine a light on that area for now? Yeah, I think, you know, this research that's pouring in about the ketogenic diet and about intermittent fasting is fantastic. And when you're not eating or when you're not eating a lot of carbs, for example, when you give your body a rest from digestion because it takes the most energy of all to digest food, the body can then focus on other things it needs to focus on mm -hmm. important things. And one of them is something called autophagy. Okay. Sounds like a, it's a fancy word, but it really means that the cells are doing housekeeping. Okay. They're getting rid of all the toxic stuff that's been stored inside your, your cells. It's uh, cleaning things up in there. It's reusing parts. It's, it's creating new cells, new proteins in the body. Everything mm -hmm. changes. Okay. And, um, so autophagy is extremely important for your health. It happens when you eat a low carbohydrate diet. It happens, but, all, but not as much as when you're not eating. Okay. So when you're fasting from say 14 hours on, mm -hmm. you get you get autophagy no matter how long you fast, but from 14 hours on, there's even more of a powerful effect from it. So, um, you know, if you think about intermittent fasting, skipping one meal will produce that effect. And there's so much going on with, um, you know, uh, what goes on. Autophagy creates more mitochondria, the more mitochondria, you have the healthier you are because the healthier the cell is and the healthier the mitochondria are. And so the mitochondria, is that the energy cell? I'm just trying to go back to biology yeah. back in high school days. That's like an energy cell. Is that right? Absolutely. So the mitochondria is just a little energy cell. It's Every cell has mitochondria. Some cells have one. Most have about 400 per mm -hmm. cell. And the most energy-demanding organs have the most, okay, like the heart and the liver and the brain, for example. And when you become inflamed, your mitochondria start to diminish. As you age, 
they not only do they diminish, but they start uh, to weaken, if you will. They don't act or behave optimally. Mm. But you can intervene with an anti-inflammatory diet. The diet that I have within my book, mm-hmm. How to Fight Fat Formation, will promote healthy and more mitochondria. Intermittent fasting is one way to do that. The ketogenic diet is another way to do that. Now, the ketogenic diet means you are eating severely restricting carbohydrates from 20 grams a day to 50, no more, okay? Mm -hmm. Some people are lucky enough where they can go into ketosis um, with 100 grams of carbs, but not many. So that's a very strict diet to utilize, but it's, if you can do that, it's very effective in terms of, uh, creating optimal health. Now the intermittent fasting, there are different ways of intermittent fasting. It just means different, uh, ways of eat, you know, different eating patterns. Okay. So, um, I do intermittent fasting. I do not eat breakfast. So my last meal is at night Mm -hmm. and I don't eat from say seven or eight until, um, 12 around noon the next day. Mm-hmm. So everybody who sleeps during the night, assuming they don't get up to eat in the middle of the night is, uh, <laughs> going through intermittent fasting, right? And that autophagy is happening. So they are creating these really super cells, if you will, healthier cells. They are getting rid of the toxins in their body. They're helping to promote weight loss and again, healthier fat cells. So, mm. you know, the fat cell is a cell and it has, you know, it, it does its house cleaning as well during intermittent fasting. There are different ways to do intermittent fasting, but I find that if you skip dinner or breakfast, it's um, an easy way to begin. If you're very dependent upon carbohydrates in your diet, do not start doing intermittent fasting. Yeah. <laughs> and, the and, best step to do and then that. also for women with like adrenal burnout, because I remember right. there was a stage when it wasn't that good for me. <laughs> right. It, oh, it's it's almost like a nightmare when you do that, and it yeah. can be for thyroid if you're not if you're stressed yes. out, you don't feel well. You know, it's it, I don't recommend intermittent fasting for people who are under stress at all mm-hmm. because it's a stress on the body. Okay. Stress on the body is a good thing, but a stressor like intermittent fasting. But if you have other stressors going on in your life, you're, you're just, it's too much. So, um, if you're fine with your life, everything's good and you want to try intermittent fasting, but you've been, uh, say you're addicted to carbohydrates or you eat a lot during the day and you have to eat every two to three hours, then the best way to begin is to, just delay your breakfast for an hour. Yes, yeah. And don't get for two hours. That's the way to do it. And then finally, you before you know it, you're at lunch, and there you go. You've been intermittent fasting. This is episode number forty-eight, the fat loss protocol with Cindy O'Meara. You have to do the right thing. You have to give the body the food that it needs in order to become leptin sensitive again. And that's the key to this is leptin sensitivity, that master hormone that tells the body 
everything that it needs to know about your hormones um, because hormones have a way of putting weight on you and especially when you hit that um, menopause stage, it will start going on your belly. And you can see it. You see women hit that age and they just spread. They were gorgeous young, you know, women with waists that are tiny yeah. and all of a sudden they get the spread. And it's I've been to parties where I haven't seen girls for a long time and I just look at them and I go, oh, my goodness, all of you were in bikinis looking stunning in your 20s, 30s and 40s. What happened? Mm. Why are you getting that middle-aged spread? So what this does is it tells the hormones what to do. So while you're doing one thing, your body's becoming sensitive to this master hormone, leptin, Mm L-E-P-T-I-N, and as a result of that, that um, master hormone then tells your other hormones what to do, and that's that's where the miracle lays. We do it properly because we know what the body needs to reset its metabolism yes. to get leptin to work. And leptin sensitivity doesn't come in on an 80-kilo person immediately mm-hmm. because leptin uh, resistance, which is like insulin resistance, um, comes about, about, you know, like – you probably have a 10 kilo window of where your leptin is working beautifully. So five kilos either side of your ideal weight. So if you go underweight, your body will go, I don't, so leptin is produced by fat cells, by the way. So if you're underweight, it won't be producing enough leptin and it'll say, feed me, eat, come on, give Mm -hmm. me some food. Then if you go five kilos above your ideal weight, you then become leptin in, um, sent, uh, insensitive. So um, you become resistant to leptin because you're producing so much leptin that the body has absolutely phased out of the signal of leptin. And it still says the same thing. Feed me. I'm not, I'm hungry. You're not giving me enough. Give me more. I don't have enough nutrients. La, la, la. You mm-hmm. know, and it's like this constant thing. And, and so, I can imagine well, then with most of the women uh, listening uh, in business and most of them are highly stressed, they're high achievers, they're trying to do everything, that stress would make them think that they're hungry as well. Would that be right? So would that then be producing more leptin or is that how it sort of works? Is is there any relationship to stress at all? Yes, most definitely because stress is about um, you not using your digestive system. So when you're in a a state of stress, you close down your digestive system, Mm. you close down your hormone system. Um, It's it's because you don't want to digest food when you're running from a savage animal. And that's what stress is. You know, you're running, but you're running constantly. And then you overload your system and cortisol just fatigues out. And yeah, it's it. And then, and, and, the thing is, is that that's when you start to put on fat as well, is you're stressed, you're eating the wrong foods, um, and that's when you start to put that on. But what we do is we teach um, how to change those hormones, how to change um, your leptin sensitivity, how to um, stop the body asking for food all the time because the body is all-knowing. It is innate. Mm. And it will say the right thing to you, but if you're stressing it out, you're eating the wrong foods, you're putting on way too much weight, then your body's just going to completely lose the plot and give you the worst communication of all and then you'll be completely lost. And so what we do is we bring the communication back to the body 
and we we teach you what your body needs. Or actually, we don't teach you. Your body teaches it you. Mm. Um, and we do that in phase four. Yeah, I love that. This is episode number 10, Healing Your Thyroid and Autoimmune Disease Through Food with Elena Haber. And really, about 70% of people are gluten intolerant anyway. They just don't know it. Right. <laughs> Though it's just not healthy for the gut. And you go back to what you talked about with the digestion and gut health. It's like it's like the number one thing of actually stopping proper nutrients absorbing. And it's one of the, the main problems for creating, like you're saying, these autoimmune diseases and sluggishness and fatigue and brain fog. And, and I think, you know what, like, yeah, I, I still if I go out for dinner and there's a nice piece of sourdough there, you know, I'll have it, but we just don't have gluten every night of the week, every day, cut out grains, cut out everything. That's really funny when um, you have somebody that has no idea and they think that you're just gluten intolerant. That's why you don't eat it. Um, right. <laughs> yeah. So you've got gluten, dairy, uh, nuts and seeds, nightshades. Um, yeah. Anything else? Soy. Are you, are you yeah. eggs? Soy corn. Yes, yeah, soy yeah, corn. Yeah, no eggs. Yeah, eggs is a big one. GMO as well. Well, you don't want to go there. <laughs> Get away from the corn. Um, eggs. Are you able to eat eggs or not? Um, on the elimination phase of the autoimmune protocol, eggs are out as well. Mm. But the nice thing about the autoimmune protocol is it's not forever. So there's that elimination phase with all of these foods. But the end goal of the autoimmune protocol is to reintroduce as many foods as possible, get as much food variety as possible while still maintaining your health. Uh, most people can introduce eggs, um, egg yolks first is generally more tolerated. Most people can reintroduce uh, properly soaked and sprouted nuts and seeds. Um, some people can introduce nightshades. Most people cannot introduce gluten. So gluten tends to be the one that yeah. people stay away from the rest of their lives. Yeah. I, I think if I couldn't have eggs, oh, that'd be the end of me. I love an egg a day. I know. I know. <laughs> They're delicious. <laughs> this is episode number 14, Ditch the Diet with Jessica Seppel. How do you have a and maintain a healthy lifestyle? So tell me, what's your philosophy now on food? Yeah, it's really just become, it's as the years go by, it gets more and more simple. Mm-hmm. Like I believe, of course, in a whole food diet. I also believe in indulgence. I also believe in balance. Mm-hmm. I believe we need to tune into our bodies and our appetites and different foods work for us all very differently. So what works for me, honestly, may not work for you. Mm-hmm. And it takes time. It really does take time. So you have to be patient. That's what my eight-week eight program is all about is tuning into your unique body and figuring out what foods work for you as an individual that's so biochemically unique. Mm-hmm. So I've discovered that, you know, wheat and gluten makes me tired. I absolutely will still go out on a Saturday and have my sourdough toast with my eggs when I go out for breakfast, but I know I'll be tired. So I'm yeah. aware of how foods make me feel. Mm-hmm. So I'm now eating according to those needs. So I don't eat sugar because it just makes me tired. It makes me groggy and makes me, gives me a brain fog. This is episode number 15. I did a solo episode on beating emotional eating. I don't know if you know this, but stress is the number one source of emotional eating. And how much stress do we have as a business owner, right? Eek. <laughs> a lot. So we medicate ourselves through food, through alcohol. Some people medicate themselves daily, some people weekly. But no matter what, when the stress is there, 
most of us see ourselves getting fatter and fatter and fatter. And especially we get this spare tire in our midsections and that's the, from the stress hormone called cortisol. And if you eat a lot of sugar, also it goes straight to that middle section there. And look, I know the feeling when it starts to grow out of control and you start seeing your tummy getting fatter and fatter and fatter and you, you start to not recognize yourself anymore. You know, I remember looking in the mirror some days and thinking, my gosh, like, how does this body belong to me? It's just changed. So as soon as we start to really see our bodies just going out of control and not fitting the clothes that we want to fit into and starting to miss out on going to the beach and going shopping or not trying wearing our favorite outfits, before we know it, we start dreaming about being thin. But losing weight is not going to fix the actual problem. Weight, or better name still, body fat, is just the symptom. So to lose fat, we really need to go to the root cause. And that's the problem. That's what got you there in the first place. Yes, when we lose weight, we feel good. We feel amazing. It's addictive because people start to compliment us, wearing our new outfits and go shopping again and can't wait to show off our new bod. But, you know, soon enough, it starts to settle down. People get used to what you look like. And before too long, you're still stuck with the emotions, the emotions that got you there in the first place. So losing weight is just the illusion for your happiness. And yes, I understand that you might want to lose weight or I prefer to say body fat in the fitness industry. We're taught body fat because you could be heavy on the scales and have lots of muscle, but weight is the side effect. Body fat is the side effect of what's truly going on for you and being entrepreneurs, um, building our businesses. I tell you what, we take on a stack of pressure, pressure on bringing cash into our business, uh, pressure on helping our clients, hoping our clients get results, juggling our clients juggling if you're doing your paperwork. For me, that was the first thing I outsourced because I sucked at it. <laughs> I didn't enjoy doing it and I always left it so late. So again, stress levels are going through the roof. So for me, that's not my genius zone. I outsourced it. Um, but there's other things that we take on in the business life just with stress. Being overweight, overeating, overdrinking, or any substance abuse is just a side effect or a symptom of something else that's not going right for you. And you know that damn well, right? You know it. So most of the time, it's these two beasts that represent itself as hunger or craving for sugar or alcohol. And it's fear or it's stress. Now, even the thought of food, having a drink, thinking about something that's going to, you know, stimulate your taste buds instantly starts to increase your serotonin. Serotonin is your happy hormone, right? So even you just starting to think of it, you'll start to increase your serotonin. And then when you eat it, you have that hit of serotonin, which creates that addictive cycle. So for a moment you feel better, but you know darn well that it's not fixing the problem. And maybe you're not even conscious of the problem at that time, but back into the vicious cycle you go and up and down you go with your diet, with your hunger, with your cravings, with your binging, whatever it is that you do. And that is why diets fail. People continue to address the symptom. The symptom is the weight gain. The symptom is the excess fat. They're not addressing the problem. 
So people go, okay, I'm going to go on a diet because I don't like how I look. But the reason why you don't like how you look is because of what got you there in the first place, which is the problem. So we need to address the problem. We need to address what's creating the stress, what's creating the fear. Uh, Perhaps it's loneliness. Perhaps it's not money coming into your business. Perhaps it's the stress of continually pushing yourself all the time and your adrenals are going 100 miles an hour and you're not having any time for yourself. But that's what keeps going the doing the yo-yo on the scales. There was a study done on rats many, many years ago, and it was to prove how addictive drugs are. And what they did was they put a rat in a cage and they laced its water with cocaine, and then it also had another vial there of water. What they noticed was the rat would continually drink from the water with cocaine in it, and that's how they said, okay, it's definitely an addictive drug. Though in 1970, this psychologist called Bruce Alexander, he looked at this and observed it, and he thought the experiment was quite odd because if you put the rat in a cage all on its own, it has nothing else to do but take the drugs. So what he actually thought was what if we actually created Rat Park, create this lush cage where there would be full of rats. It would have colored balls in order to have the best rat food and have tunnels and scampers and things for them to play on and they could have the most amazing life. And guess what happened? The results were startling. The rats at Rat Park didn't like the drugged water. Most of them shunned away from it the first time. And if they had it a couple of more times, it was only very few, but none of them actually liked it and none of them died from the study because their life was full of a great environment where in opposing to all the rats that were done on this experiment years ago were all in a cage by themselves. So the reason why I share this is your environment is extremely important your environment is what we need to fix first. The environment of your business, the environment of what's going on for you internally. Because when we talk about feud abuse, substance abuse, like alcohol, cigarette smoking, drugs, whatever it is, has a massive association to your life of fulfillment, fullness. This is episode number 36, Surgical Weight Loss Procedures with the CEO of Weight Loss Solutions Australia, Felicity Cohen. You mentioned the procedure of the um, gastric sleeve. Can you go through some of the different procedures that are available? Because I know it's not just the, the the main one, which people think is just getting your stomach cut. Yes. So can and you go through what are the different ones and just in, in layman's terms so we all understand the different types of surgical procedures you can get now? Absolutely. So we start with non-surgical interventions and there's a couple of really exciting options here. Um, one of them is the Orbira intragastric balloon. Um, so that's a d- device that's inserted. It's temporary, but it's supported by a multidisciplinary team working on lifestyle modification. And that's really for people who need to lose anywhere from, say, 10 to 20 kilos. Mm-hmm. Um, so perfect, you know, post-children um, for people who just can't get the weight off. So I'm actually really excited that we're about to have a new device, which will be an Orbira balloon that can stay in place for 12 months. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to give us a lot more opportunity to see some sustainable results for patients needing that procedure. What, what would that do? What's the benefits of that for a short term? Is it just sort of help you get, what, a new eating plan in place? Yeah, absolutely. So that's actually a space-filling capsule and it creates that sense of feeling full or oh, okay. um, creates satiety on a smaller volume. Mm-hmm. But the critical thing with the balloon is that we are working on lifestyle modifications. So mm-hmm. if you 
healthy habits and trying to establish those habits to become habits for life. This is episode number 56, How to Kill Sugar Cravings with Essential Oils with Dr. Maritza Sinders. Now, you found a way that you can break up with sugar. We can actually break up with it for good. (laughs) Yes, we can. Can you tell us what those discoveries are? (laughs) Yes. So the first, I want to talk a little, that first step is breaking up with stress. Cause let's say stress is really the root cause to these cravings or fatigue and fatigue can also be driven by stress as well. I mean, my goodness, stress is really the cause of about 99.9% of all disease in the body, mm-hmm. you know, and it doesn't have to always be perceived stress. It can be physical. It can be chemical, any of those things. At the end of the day, your body doesn't discriminate. Stress is stress, no matter how you slice it. So that first step is I love that the power of essential oils. I'm actually rubbing bergamot and lavender and vanilla and and wild orange on right now because those are three of my go-to favorite stress-busting essential oils. They literally disrupt the stress response. You know, chemical constituents like linalool and linalool acetate, which are in lavender and clary sage and limonene that's in bergamot, we know that those oils disrupt the stress response. They shut down that hypothalamic pituitary axis and they actually lower serum cortisol levels, blood pressure, and pulse point by simply breathing them in. It's that simple. And within seconds, right? Just within seconds. Just it's just rub it on your hands or even putting the bottle under your nose. It's yeah, it's just how how does it work? You've just talked about beautiful compound properties. For somebody listening to essential oils for the very first time, still thinking that there's some pretty smelly perfume. How do they They are pretty smelly perfumes. Yeah, they are. (laughs) (laughs) Look, my toothpaste at the moment, I've got I've got clay toothpaste with peppermint in it. I have a special deodorant with bicarb soda and I don't know what essential oils add under it. No, it is everything that we use. But can you just tell us just in a really quick snapshot? Why why is it that they actually work? How do they work? Or where does it come from? Just give us a really quick snapshot for somebody that's brand new to this. Oh, you know, I just love these questions. So as we know, you know, essential oils are chemical constituents, volatile chemical constituents that come from plants all over the world. And they're these secondary metabolites that not only serve us, but they also serve the plant themselves in terms of survival, reproduction, I mean, name it. And so we're just leveraging this chemistry like we would leverage blueberries or ashwagandha or holy basil or milk thistle or spinach and or kale or black cohosh or whatever adaptogenic, gorgeous plant-based medicine that we can get our hands on, that we use all the time. And that's, that's what's so beautiful about it is that our chemistry, our cellular chemistry loves and relishes in the benefits of plant-based medicine like essential oils. But what's so great is as we know, oils are calorie-free. They are, they are symptom free. Like there's no side effects or side effect free and they are fast and effective. And it's honestly the only tool that I know to date that will help you win the stare down contest with whatever food you're staring at at that time. Mm. And, you know, to actually say, don't bring the, that's why I don't bring the enemy in the house of those little pockets of the food, because then you've got three minutes. So if you're jumping in the car, going down to the local supermarket or to the (laughs) petrol station to grab your snack, you got three minutes to rub that oil on. (laughs) 
<laughs> combat it. Now, you said grapefruit as well. Um, grapefruit's really good. Is a grapefruit good for depression as well or for um... – Oh, my God. Grapefruit is good. Oh, let me just count the ways of grapefruit. I mean, I just love that oil. You know, the great thing about this blend is it does so much more than cravings. I mean, let's let's say it was energy. Let's say it's 3 p.m. and the fatigue has kicked in. You got that afternoon slump and you're just like, I just need this. I need something to get me through this day. Well, it's so great about this blend is it's an instant energizer. Peppermint brings oxygen to the lungs. It sends oxygen to the brain, which boosts mitochondrial function, which is literally how you obliterate brain fog. Lemon and grapefruit have limonene content, and those also boost happy neurotransmitters like dopamine and serotonin, which boost motivation and energy and good feeling moods. But this combination not only will banish brain fog, but will also increase memory and happiness in the middle of your day or your evening whenever it happens. So that's what I love so much about this oil, this blend, is you're knocking out multiple birds with one stone. Mm, This is episode number number 49 how appropriate that number because this episode is called flipping 50 how to lose weight as you're approaching midlife with deborah atkinson weight gain around the belly it's suddenly i'm seeing cellulite or my skin is thinning and i'm seeing these wrinkles i never saw or it's you know creepy skin Mm. so those are those are the signs and the symptoms but the the cause of that belly fat, certainly the sex hormones, estrogen, testosterone, progesterone, those are beginning to come down for sure. And estrogen is a protector that kind of keeps your hourglass shape. When you have a drop in estrogen from compared to five or 10 or 15 years ago, when you were in childbearing age, it's going to start to, you know, make you more of a barrel, you know, and a lot Mm -hmm. of women will experience, they no longer have that waistline that they used to have. It's, it's harder to get. So what is it that we need to do now? We're approaching our fifties. We've got women in their fifties and some of them, um, I know I've got one listener, she's 58. Um, so we've obviously got some women that are over that 55 hump as well. What is the best type of exercise that we should be doing throughout that period? Because obviously we don't want to throw our hands up and just say we give up. Um, I know some women that are looking better than they ever have in their fifties. So what is it, Deborah, that we need to do in the type of exercise these days? There's a number one and a number two. Number one is strength training. So yes, I love strength training. (laughs) So I hope you enjoyed episode number 100. For me, it's always about what can we do so you can feel supremely confident, the happiest version of you. Now, body fat, weight isn't everything. It always starts from the inside, your happiness. So no matter where you are right now, what's going on in your life, where you're stuck, what's working, what's not working, whenever you're having those down days, please give yourself some grace, patience. Our life is a beautiful thing and if you just stop for a moment, get your phone out, write some notes of what you're grateful for or get pen and paper, there's always the opportunity to find joy in every part of your day. If you love today's show and you really felt like, wow, that's going to move the needle for me, pardon the pun, (laughs) then hit me up with a review. Put a review on iTunes and make sure you share the show with a girlfriend. The last thing we want is to keep this awesome information a secret. 
Let's get the information out there. Let's lift all our vibrations together so you and your friends can be the happiest version of people that you know. That's it for now. Next week, we'll be kicking off the show with episode 101 with the three rules of excellence. Bye for now. You're listening to The Herpreneur Show. I hope you received the inspirational idea, thought, or message that you're meant to hear today. If you love the show, it means a bunch to me sending me a message on Facebook or on iTunes to rate and review the show and subscribe so you're the first to know when the next show's released. Until then, make sure you do something that fills up your level of happiness, something that lifts your vibration so high that you're the happiest person that you know. I'm out. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.